You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our new serial starting this week is Echo and Narcissus, sequel to Death at the Dragon Circus, which is available very far back on this podcast feed from 2017. The ebook for Death at the Dragon Circus is available from my Patreon subscribers now with your first monthly pledge, and the Echo and Narcissus ebook will be released next month exclusively to all my Patreon subscribers. If you haven't read Death at the Dragon Circus or listened to it, that's fine. All you need to know is that uh, it is about a brother and sister team, Kurt and Inga Frostad, who used to be weapons for hire with very bad people and have now found themselves living at a circus surrounded by dragons. They're much happier. Chapter 1, in which Narcissus is not an option. Kurt Frostad, former weapon for hire, did not sleep well. A lifetime of dark, violent and ethically dubious deeds meant that his subconscious mind was not a fun place to visit. It was even harder to sleep, with angry fists beating on his caravan door. He sat up in a hurry, dislodging a heap of his sister's costumes where they hung on the top bunk. Sequins and feathers rained down upon him. Oh, that's right, he muttered. I live in a circus. The legendary fearsome duo of the Dove and the Hammer had become a star trapeze artist and an assistant grip who spent way too much time cleaning up after dragons. When he pushed open the door, Carlotta, the chief grip, was leaning back against the side of the caravan, deep breathing, with her hands pushed flat against her enormous belly. Kurt blinked at her. Are you in labour? No, she said, between puffs. False contractions. They've been going on all week. Hang on, it'll stop in a minute. Her close-cropped hair was damp and curly with sweat instead of its usual spiky attitude. She looked exhausted. He waited. So, Carlotta said a little while later, as her breathing evened out. She stood up straight, shoulders back, like nothing had happened. Meeting with the brass in Brennan's office. I need you to sub in for me. Okay. Not that I can't do it, she snapped, as if he'd questioned her. No, I get it. They're the problem. It upsets their delicate sensibilities when you start puffing and blowing like you're about to push a baby out. Exactly, she said. Also, screw you. Get a midwife, Kurt yelled after her as she waddled away from him. Put a shirt on, Carlotta yelled back to him. Yeah, fair enough. The brass included Brennan the gaffer, Magellan the ringmaster, Riff the head clown, as well as on a normal day, Carlotta, the grip. This dream team had once answered to the circus's mysterious owner, but he met with an unfortunate accident two months before Kurt came aboard. No one ever discussed who owned the circus now. Brennan, calm and competent, and dressed as usual like a shabby workman and not the dangerous professional that Kurt knew him to be, did not look remotely surprised that Carlotta had sent a sub to the meeting. 
He didn't even seem surprised that Kurt was the lucky devil chosen, which made one of them. Kurt was the most recent addition to Grip's staff, and still technically in the let's haze the new fella stage of employment. The hazing thus far had been mild, because his fellow Grips were now aware that his job before this had been as a professional hitman, bodyguard, living weapon. On the other hand, they were all clearly more afraid of Carlotta than they were of Kurt, which, again, fair enough, really. There was a map of the land spread out on an upturned crate between them, with several colourful lines inked in brightly to mark what must be the usual routes that the circus took. Kurt had joined them here, at the showgrounds outside the dusty city of Candle, where they had been unavoidably detained far longer than expected. This would be his first move. So, said Brennan, after a brief nod to acknowledge that Kurt had joined them. We don't have time to do the long loop around the coast if we still plan to make it to Cold Creek by Myas. Then winter in Tintalegra like usual. So, we need to choose one of the shorter loops. Apparently, knowledge of local geography was the thing that Kurt would have to fake an opinion about today. Riff leaned in, tracing around the colourful lines with a stubby thumb. He was wearing full clown makeup and his usual grouchy expression. I take it the green isn't an option? Correct, said Brennan. Sharper than usual. Kurt didn't know much about running a circus, but he knew a sore spot when he heard one. Poking at a sore spot was one of his top talents, up there with knife skills, strangulation and excellent blowjobs. He didn't have an opinion about local geography, but he could ask the dumb questions. What's wrong with the green route? It includes Narcissus, Magellan sighed, which has one of the best showgrounds and wealthiest audiences in the state. They've been inviting us to set up shop there for years. Kurt pretended he wasn't watching Brennan, whose discomfort radiated out of him, like a sunbeam of handsome and angst. And we avoid them because... Because, Brennan snapped, it's in my contract that this circus will never be within ten kilometres of Echo. It's Twin City. Not as long as I work here. Brennan was usually so calm and professional, it fascinated Kurt to see the gaffer this close to losing it over a minor administrative question. But Kurt had long since accepted that when it came to Brennan, he was always going to be interested. That contract was with Valescus, who is dead, said Magellan, in a calm, unruffled voice. One could argue that it's currently void. Brennan turned his head towards her, eyes fierce, and unrelenting. You are welcome to take this circus to Narcissus, but you'll need a new gaffer to run it. Kurt actually held his breath. The purple loop, Riff grunted, ignoring the tension in the room. Takes us past Narcissus, but on the far side of the slope, close but still outside the gaffer's 10k limit. The roads are better there, and it's a good clear run to Wistwater. Chances are we'll have a baby on board by the time we set out, so better to choose the smoother road. Magellan hesitated, not keen to back down. Banksia was a good town when we played there a few years back, she admitted, reluctantly. 
and the run from there around to Cold Creek includes some good spots. We'd be able to spend a month up in Franklin Gorge. The dragons all like that. Fine, said Brennan. The purple loop. But you're not going to convince me to stop at Narcissus on the way. I don't care how good their grounds are. Magellan smiled with all her teeth. Wouldn't dream of it, Gaffer. Well, that was uncomfortable, Kurt said cheerfully. Are we waiting for Grip to pop her sprog before we set out? Brennan hesitated, then shook his head. We've long outstayed our welcome here in Candle. We're losing money every day we're here. Carlotta claims the baby isn't due for weeks yet, all goes well. We'll be snugly set up at Wistwater by then. Kurt raised his eyebrows because all goes well wasn't something he expected of life, let alone a circus full of dragons and a whole lot of folk with something to hide. Anyone in this circus know how to deliver a baby in case all doesn't go well? Didn't anyone tell you, Frostad? said Brennan, with a quirk of a smile that warmed his expression as well as the pit of Kurt's stomach. That's your job. Finn was halfway through feeding the baby dragons, when Kurt finally escaped the meeting. It wasn't technically his job to help with this, but according to their teen trainers, the babies fretted when he wasn't around to watch Onyx, Ix, Jade Snow, Heliotrope and Tiny Pearl scarf down their raw wallaby chunks three times a day. Finn looked up, her hair shoved into an unbrushed ponytail, and her eyes as wide as saucers. Narcissus? she asked hopefully. Nope. Ugh! She flung the next handful of meat with a certain amount of spite. It's never Narcissus anymore. I don't get it. We used to go there all the time when I was little. It's the dream campsite. So many shower blocks, you hardly even have to queue. And the audiences tip like they're made of coin. We have baby dragons to show off. Why are we leaving all that money on the table? Kurt shrugged and reached in through the bars to scratch Jade Snow behind her ears. That decision is above both our heads, kid. Don't give me that, she said. You were in the meeting. Grips and Gripper were whining over the breakfast cart that Grip picked you to sub in for her. Huh. Kurt had assumed he got that gig because he was a slow-moving target, and the most recent to join the team, so lowest in the pecking order. Are you saying I'm her favourite? You're not my favourite, Finn said huffily. Not unless you spill the gossip about why we never go to Narcissus anymore. Kurt hadn't expected her not to know the reason. Surely it was impossible to keep a secret in the circus. Kurt and Inga had made it a fortnight before everyone found out who they were and what they'd done in their old life. Everyone who knew about that particular demand in Brennan's contract must also know it was serious enough to keep quiet about. Riff, Magellan, Grip, the Brass. And now, Kurt. Brennan hadn't flinched from letting him in on the circle of trust. That was something to think about when he wasn't being observed closely by the ringmaster's nosy daughter. We'll be on the road soon, he told her, since that at least was no secret. Anything I should know about dragons on the move? Finn patted the bars of the baby trailer and glanced over to the pen where the four large dragons, 
blue, bronze, red and green were all prowling around like they knew there was something to be cranky about. They hate it, she said sweetly, and after a day on the road, you'll hate it too. Kurt had spent half his life doing very bad things for the wealthiest people in the world, for warlords and business magnates, for monarchs and politicians and mob bosses. He'd never seen an operation as simultaneously slick and chaotic as the dragon circus rolling out of candle. Everyone knew their job, from the artists and carnies to the crew and even the children. Trucks appeared, canvas vanished, and the dragons were restless. If the grip's assistants were under any illusion that Kurt was sliding into the number two position, this was quickly shattered. He was the only one around here who had no idea what to do from one minute to the next. His sister Inga was just as new as he was, but her path was eased by her partnership with the other trapeze artists. No one expected a bird of paradise to make herself useful beyond the packing and transport of her own gear. Kurt did as he was told, task after task. Whenever the grip wasn't yelling orders at him, he retreated back to the dragon pen. Puck and Finn needed all the help they could get, and they at least didn't make him feel stupid for not knowing the difference between 20 basically identical trucks, or what equipment needed to be stored in which caravan. At least with the baby dragons, no one was entirely sure what to expect. Dragons lived a long time, and the four adults had been part of the circus longer than Finn had been alive. No one knew what the different needs of the babies might be. Puck, a few years older than Finn, but equally out of his depth, had used their long-stained candle to send off for a few battered dragon-keeping manuals that might offer useful advice. The books were useless. Either they were written by charlatans, or the circus baby dragons were determined to defy all known facts about their species. Overfeeding them made them angry, not docile and relaxed. Moving their cage-topped trailer made them spit fire. Even Tiny Pearl, who hadn't so much as sizzled her own nose hairs before now. By the time Kurt was summoned to the gaffer's office, currently being disassembled around him so the boss looked like a comedy act, sitting at his desk while two clowns packed away his walls, he'd lost half his shirt to Dragonflame and was running out of burn salve for his hands. Rough day, Brennan said, letting his gaze drift over Kurt's one bare arm and the unruly scorched ends of what had once been a sleeve. Pretty normal so far. What do you need? I want you to ride up front with Riff. Kurt blinked. He'd assumed he'd travel with the baby dragons. To leave Finn and Puck free to manage the big ones, he'd also assumed this would be the thing that killed him. Expecting trouble, boss? There was only one reason to choose a trained enforcer to ride up front, and it wasn't to rid yourself of toll inspectors before they became a problem. Unless it was. I like your eyes, said Brennan. Kurt blinked again, and then smiled slowly. Not like that, sighed Brennan. You spot trouble before it's trouble. I'll be at the back. I want to hear about any twitch of instinct from you. I want to know if you think the trees are looking at you funny. Got it? Kurt considered the logistics of the plan. 
feed or need an extra hand or two with the babies. Muscle if you can. The baby dragons were the most valuable resource that the circus owned right now, even including the 20 trucks. No one sane would consider stealing an adult dragon, but babies could be moulded, trained. Baby dragons with the potential to bond with their abductors were worth their weight in blood diamonds. Consider it done, said Brennan. He stood up and a clown folded his desk and chair away into the nearby van. What are you waiting for? Kurt was already strolling away, but took the opportunity to turn around and walk backwards with a grin. Ready to hear anything else you want to tell me about my eyes? An hour before the dragon circus rolled out. Kurt checked on his own caravan, hooked up to several others, and found Inga sitting thoughtfully on the steps waiting for him. I thought the artists travel in style, he teased her. There was a bus, for those who weren't driving or hauling cargo, cushioned seats and everything. His sister looked thoughtful. She wore soft black leggings under a long linen shirt, the most casual he'd seen her since they created these new identities for themselves. She'd learned to blend in with the artists, who all dressed down when they weren't about to put on a show. Not a lick of makeup, no spangles or frills. The clowns still mostly wore their faces, but even they showed up in dungarees and flannel shirts instead of their sparkly costumes. It felt odd, said Inga, leaving without saying goodbye. I'm coming with you, Dingbat. He liked that word. It felt brotherly. He'd stolen it from one of Finn and Puck's many squabbles. She twisted her mouth, clearly not enjoying Dingbat as much as he did. It feels like goodbye. We're bringing it all with us, trust me. I've seen the grip's truck chart. It's written in some other language and requires more than the usual number of dimensions. But there's a plan behind all this. They know what they're doing. Inga launched herself off the steps suddenly, like it was the middle of her trapeze act. He caught her in a hug, unsure what she needed from him. Apparently, a hug. I don't like feeling useless, she whispered into his neck. Usually I know what I'm doing. Kurt laughed a little, hugging her. You just described my week. Don't worry about it. We'll be in Wistwater in five days' time, and we're not staying more than a month, according to the brass. By the time we roll on to Banksia, this packing-up-and-leaving thing will feel a lot more familiar. And by the time we leave Banksia... I get it, she sighed, dropping back out of his arms and brushing off her shirt, like he'd got her dusty. You're right. We'll be used to it by then. It's just that Candle is the first place that's felt... like home. He knew exactly what she meant. We're taking home with us, he told her firmly. Now go find those trapeze boys of yours. You know they get nervous if you stay out of their sight too long. They'll think you've eloped like their last partner. Left them high and dry. Inga nodded once quickly. See you in Westwater, she told him. Gave him a quick peck on the cheek before she ran up the line to where the bus was waiting for her. Kurt checked their caravan was securely locked and bolted, then ambled towards his own seat in the prime truck, alongside Inga's main squeeze, Riff the Chief Clown. Wistwater, here we come, 
Of course, they never made it to Wistwater. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. Uh, There'll be another chapter of Echo and Narcissus here next week. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Mm-hmm.